G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Some of the things we'll talk about you've never heard of before. Could be something completely new to you and you're thinking, is this the way the kingdom of God works? Well, there are some very significant things that are unfolding around the world. Uh, You may know that there are a number of amazing ministries that we'll talk to fairly regularly talking about the persecuted church. There are wonderful organizations like Open Doors or Barnabas Fund. And the one we're going to talk about today called Voice of the Martyrs. And Vision's own Matt Prater recently returned from a major gathering, a conference of Christian servants of the Lord to the persecuted church in Seoul in South Korea. Matt was a guest of Voice of the Martyrs, founded by Richard Wormbrand, who told his story in the book Tortured for Christ, and that was made into a movie. Voice of the Martyrs operates in 68 countries, and many of the leaders of those projects were in one place, sharing powerful stories and strategizing how they better care for the needs of the persecuted church. Well, Matt Prater, you'll know, is a regular voice on Vision and often sits in this 2020 chair when I'm away. He's also senior pastor at New Hope Church in Brisbane and he's host of the weekly radio show History Makers. Matt, of course, is the author of a number of books, his latest one being History Makers, Devotions, Downloads and Dad Jokes. And so with a long introduction like that, Matt Prater... A special welcome along to 2020. G'day, Neil. It's wonderful to be your guest here today. And uh, that was such a good introduction, mate. Here's a copy of my new book. That's a gift for you, mate. Merry Christmas from me. Uh, you mightn't remember this, Matt, but you've already given me a oh, copy. Have I? There's, a, there's one for your wife. There you go. You can give it to your wife. Yeah. All right. Can't sell them. You've got to give them away. Is that <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, you've had the most amazing privilege and to be able to accompany Mm. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs in Australia. They've mm. got their own Australian office, and mm-hmm. you know one of our, you know, beloved guests on mm. this program, Tony Benjamin. Uh, you were with Tony, and you had the opportunity to go to this conference. Give us a little insight here, because. I've had a similar experience, but this just doesn't yeah. happen for anyone. You can't just buy a ticket to these sorts of events. It's mm. it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just share a little bit of the backstory. So, you know, I filled in for you once on 2020 and interviewed Tony, oh, yeah. uh, on you know, from Voice of the Martyrs a few years ago. And we struck up a friendship, and many of you would know they advertise here on Vision Radio a lot. And um, then he actually uh, booked my church, New Hope Brisbane, a couple of years ago. Uh, we, well, a few years ago now, we hosted a special night uh, with TBN filming a TV episode with Peter Yasek, who is uh, a man that was locked up with ISIS prisoners in Sudan, uh, Bob Fu from China, and also uh, Daniel Shayeshta, who is an Iranian uh, born-again Christian. And I know, I know you've interviewed all of them on your show before as yes. well. But I remember that night, something just dropped in my heart, and I thought, wow, whatever Voice of the Martyrs does... I want to be a part of it. And, you know, there's a quote from Richard Wormbrand. I I was just praying this morning, and I had this on my heart to share this quote. 
Right, Richard Wernbrand, the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, his wife, Sabina, she said this, doing the work of God is dangerous. Not doing it is more dangerous. And, you know, something dropped in my heart a few years ago about Voice of the Martyrs, and I thought, wow, I just want to serve this uh, charity, this organization, any way I can. So anyway, long story short, Tony, the CEO, invited me to go to this conference, and there were five guest speakers there. And the idea was that I'd just interview the guest speakers. But throughout the week, I met the CEOs and the team from all these different Voice of the Martyrs uh, organizations around the world. And whenever I'd start asking them about their story, I'd say, actually, could we record this? <laughs> and so I ended up with 24 interviews from a week uh, in Seoul, Korea at the Voice of the Martyrs conference. And it was just life-changing for me. Absolutely loved it. And we're not going to get to hear all those interviews today, but I do have a little grab from one interview, which we'll hear a little later on in the program. You know, as you mentioned, some of those identities, uh, Daniel Shyester and Bob Fu and uh, uh, Peter Yassik. Peter, Peter. Yeah. I mm. mean, I remember the day oh. they were all in the building at yeah. the same time, mm. and I got a photo taken with them, and, mm. Uh, mm. and uh, somebody just recently wrote an article that's up online, people can look at it, yep. but it's about who the real celebrities are. Yeah. Because when you're a Christian believer, it's interesting, isn't it? You can get caught up in the world of celebrity mm. and you can think of all these secular celebrities and they're on stage and they've got you know millions or billions of dollars and mm. lots of people love them all the time. But the real celebrities are those who have gone through, sometimes you might think, you know, uh, uh, just the most dreadful circumstances yeah. uh, and kept their faith, maintained their strength of serving Jesus, mm. uh, they become the real celebrities. Mm. And, and you've had the opportunity to mm. mix with those real celebrities, those who are on the front line, mm. putting themselves in danger mm. and ministering to people who are in persecuted situations. Yeah, and this was the thing about this conference that was different to most Christian conferences, Neil, is that half the people that I got to meet said, no, I can't do an interview. <laughs> I don't want to do an interview. My life will be in danger if I do an interview because I have to make sure that nobody knows my true identity because I go into these nations where you can be killed for being a Christian. You can be in prison. You can be tortured for being a Christian. And so um, so opposite to many other conferences, people go, yeah, I'm the guest speaker. Please interview me. You know what I mean? These guys are like, no, please. Um, you can interview some of the guys, but not all of them. So anyway, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of the, uh, uh, how the week started. So I arrived, and uh, the first day in Seoul, Korea, you know, the conference um, uh, you know, team was all getting together and they said, we're going to send some of you off to the DMZ. Now, that's the demilitarized zone between South Korea and North Korea. And, you know, I'd heard a little bit about Kim Jong-un and I'd heard a little bit about the Kim dynasty and a bit about the torture of, uh, of Christians in, in North Korea. But I tell you what, it was very eye-opening to go to this experience. And um, we went there and you could see you know, all these videos and the history of the Korean War and you hear all these stories. And, you know, it reminded me of that Bible verse in Hebrews 13.3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. And we know the Bible also says, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. You know, and, you know, in the West, we don't really know what persecution is. We might get someone on Facebook attacking us or someone you know, having a go at us at our church or whatever. But these believers in North Korea who go through severe persecution, 
my goodness, some of the stories um, absolutely broke my heart. So anyway, we went there for the tour of the demilitarized zone, and I just got to see uh, from the world's perspective uh, about uh, how dangerous things are, you know. And, you know, one of the things we did, Neil, is we went down one of the tunnels. Mm. Now, I didn't know that there are four tunnels that had been dug between North Korea to South Korea. You know, we hear about the tunnels in Gaza right now. This is what has been happening for years. And so they took us down. We had to put the hard hat on. We had to leave our phone in a locker, and we got to go down this tunnel and got to see how North Korea had been plotting to take over Seoul. And then they, they told us at the end of it, they said, oh, there could be other tunnels that we haven't discovered yet. And I realized that it's actually still an ongoing conflict. It's actually still quite dangerous between North Korea and South Korea. You don't hear about it. As, the unless war, they do a missile test. But the war is never officially over. Yeah. And so uh, there is this tension constantly. Yeah. Now, just describe this demilitarised zone yep. for us mm. for a moment. Mm. Uh, you know, we're talking about two f- big fences, aren't we? Yeah. A, a yep. fence that you have on the South Korea side and there's yep. another fence on the North Korea side. And yep. if you're in the middle, uh, look out, you're likely to be shot. Is that That's the right. way it, it works That's like exactly that? exactly it, yep. And so when mm. you're looking out through the fence... Mm. On the South Korean side, you're actually looking to what is probably the biggest prison camp in the world. Yeah, yeah. And the people who are in North Korea are mm. literally under the thumb of the most notorious dictator, mm. uh, Kim Jong-un. Mm. And and so what's going on in your yeah. own heart when you start to appreciate, oh, hang on a second, um, uh, I can fly here on a plane, but these people, mm. they can't leave their country. Yeah, that's right. Well, the first thing I did is we prayed. Um, I was with uh, eight other leaders from Voice of the Martyrs from different nations, and uh, we were all a little bit numb, a little bit uh, shell-shocked, to be honest, you know, um, just realising um, the seriousness of the situation. And, uh, and, and then our guide started telling us that her father was North Korean and she hasn't seen him for, I don't know how many years, 20 years or something. And the reason she does this tour is to educate people in the West about how important it is that we talk in the media that we're a voice for the North Koreans. And so I feel like today, you know, the fact that you've invited me on, this is an opportunity for me to be a voice for our North Korean brothers and sisters. So definitely the Christians in North Korea we need to be praying for, but just everyone in North Korea. Um, let me tell you an example. So uh, one of the pastors I got to meet during the week now, I'm not allowed to say his name, I'm not allowed to say his age, I'm not allowed to say any dates or anything to give away any of his identity, but uh, he had been a guard with Kim Jong-un in one of the top uh, tiers of the army. And his job was to look after Kim Jong-un's house and yachts. And so he was uh, in, in charge of all this area, and one day a fire broke out in one of the houses. And you see, in North Korea... They train you from a young age. They brainwash you from a young age that, you know, like there's a hundred stories that you learn about the Kim family and every one of them, Kim Jong-un or Kim Il-sun is the, is the hero, you know, so they brainwash them from a young age. They don't have any Western literature, no Bibles, no, you know, it's, it's only what they're told from the North Korean regime, you know. So he'd been completely brainwashed and they brainwashed them so that, you know, every house has a portrait of the Kim family. And they say that that portrait is more valuable than any human life. And every morning they have to basically worship that portrait. That's, you know, it's, it's you know, cult-like, you know. Anyway, so there was a, 
a fire and he ran in not to save the soldiers that were burning to death in the fire, but to save the picture of the Kim family. This is how brainwashed he was. And he nearly died in that fire. He spent seven months uh, in hospital. Um, miraculously, he survived the fire. Seven months in hospital, attempted suicide twice while he was in hospital, was depressed, and after getting out of hospital, made the decision to defect from North Korea. Now, if you're caught defecting, you know, it's a death penalty, torture, not just for you, but for all your family. So to make a decision to defect is a very big decision. Long story short, he and his sister escape uh, to China. His sister gets caught, gets taken back uh, to North Korea, dies soon after. His mother gets caught and goes from 50 kilos to 35 kilos in a prison camp after being tortured and beaten. And he now has no contact with his family whatsoever. But you know what? He's doing Baptist Bible College Seminary. His whole goal is to pray for reunification between North and South Korea and to go back and preach there. Now, here in the West, if we escaped a regime like that, we would be going to the other side of the world as far as we could. But he feels the call of God to go and preach to North Korea. Now, for me, when I heard that story, I just felt lukewarm, backslidden, half-hearted. In my Western mindset of what I think Christianity is, I thought, man, I need to get serious with Jesus. I need to get back to the call of God for my life. Um, it's, it's not time to play church. When things like this are happening around the world, we need to tell the story and we need to pray for our persecuted brothers and we need to support them any way we can. You know, yeah. when I'm thinking of, uh, you know, on fire Christian believers, I'm thinking Matt Prater. Mm. So to hear you say, mm. in relation to these guys, I'm feeling lukewarm. Mm. I'm feeling mm. half-hearted here mm. because that sort of faith commitment, that sort of love for a Lord and Saviour who has redeemed a lost soul, mm. uh, to be able to uh, have the desire to go in uh, to a deadly situation and take the gospel, mm. that's what being a hero of faith is all mm. about. And mm. that's why when we talk about martyrs, people who have lost their life for their faith mm. and people who are willing to do such a thing, that's why that is such a such a powerful story. Mm. We're going to continue our conversation in just a few moments. We're going to hear some more about Matt and his travels. He's been to a conference in South Korea with Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, there is a contact for Voice of the Martyrs, vom.com.au. You can connect with Voice of the Martyrs. That's their Australian website. Matt Prater is our guest. Why don't we take a call? Uh, first up, Shelby is back with us. Hey, Shelby. Yeah. It's been a little while. Welcome along. Yes, that's great. Uh, yeah, Neil, missed the show. Um, my work commitments haven't been allowing me to uh, get in touch. Um, and hello, Matt. How are you going? G'day, Shelby. Great to hear voice, my brother. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, I mate. Um, I just so missed the show, but anyway, look, it's great. Um, and earlier you were talking about, and I seen an ad. It's on the uh, news at the moment, and they're saying uh, two young ladies, and they're in the commercials, a mobile phone or something. Like that, um, they say we're having a baby, and I go, take my head in shame, just about the poor, poor girls in that sense. Um, and, and it's just so sad that this Australia was founded. Um, we know the story. You know the story. Richard Rembrandt. Uh, no, what am I saying? Um, uh, Richard Johnson. And um, he came out in the first fleet, 1788, and founded um, the church. And they uh, have a place marked in uh, Sydney, 
uh, where that was. Um, and it's just amazing that we are so much founded in Christianity, and today there is so much of this other nonsense going on, and we're patriotizing people that really need um, uh, spiritual help. Um, in, in the Shelby, it's good to hear from you, and you're actually making uh, quite a significant point here, because the foundations of a nation, and as you're reflecting right back to Richard Johnson and arriving with the First Fleet, who brought Bibles, and he brought the Gospel, and that began to disseminate and began to shape the early colony. And it's interesting, isn't it, that there are nations around the world that don't have the same shaping that we have in Australia, uh, that are off on a different direction. And usually it moves in a socialist direction. And we think about North Korea, we're talking about one of the ultimate socialist dictatorships on the on the face of the earth. Um, but uh, Matt, your thoughts here for Shelby? Yeah, thanks Shelby for your call. And uh, it's always good to uh, uh, get back to the basics, isn't it, mate? You know, when you look at Australia, uh, we, you know, Richard Johnson, uh, you know, committed Australia to the Lord in that first ever church service. You know, we've heard... Australia called the Great South Land of the Holy Spirit, you know. And, and this is the concern these days is that there is a drift away uh, from the Christian foundation that uh, Australia has been built on, you know. And when it comes back to uh, North Korea, uh, you were just chatting off air with me, Neil, a moment ago, you know. Um, these nations uh, that we talk about where there's persecuted believers, you know, sometimes have had a Christian background. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing um, about uh, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, um, you know, being a part of, uh, you know, what God was doing in Korea all those years back before the Korean War. Uh, it's interesting when you look at a little bit of the history of North Korea, isn't it, uh, Neil? Well, you know what? It's a powerful history, and uh, listeners might want to even do a little bit of research. There was what was called the Great Pyongyang Revival back in 1907, and it was a Protestant revival. It occurred in and around the city of Pyongyang, and that's today the capital of North Korea. And a key figure of that movement was a guy named Kil Sun Ju, and uh, one of the first Korean Protestants ordained as a Presbyterian minister. Now, uh, for whatever reason, and I'm not across all the details, uh, that revival, which was very strong... Mm. Uh, this was this was before there was much Christianity in South Korea, mm-hmm. but uh, things moved south, but it was snuffed out in the north. Mm. And uh, these days, when you look at the Korean peninsula, the South Koreans and such a strong church in South Korea, mm. some of the biggest churches in the world right. in South Korea, a complete contrast to what is in North Korea, mm. uh, where it is really a backward and uh, desolate yeah. state. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, there was a Christian revival going back over mm. 100 years. Uh, tre- tremendous, exciting uh, in, in, in things to, uh, to uh, re- reflect on. Actually. Absolutely. And I actually did visit uh, Yongi Cho's church. Well, Yongi Cho's passed away, <laughs> yes. but I visited his church. Apparently, they had up to 800,000 at one stage, and apparently it dropped down to 150,000 uh, after COVID, and now it's back up to about 480,000 apparently, so a massive church. But um, South Korea has about 30% Christians and is the second largest mission-sending nation in the world behind the US. So praise God for what he's doing in South Korea. But turning our attention back to North Korea, uh, the other thing for me, the other story I wanted to share, Neil, that just broke my heart. So, you know, as I said, we visited the, the demilitarized zone at the start of the week. And then we had the conference. Where I can talk more about the conference uh, uh, shortly. But but then at the end of the week, on the Friday night, we went to the underground university that Voice of the Martyrs runs. And there was some North Korean defectors there, some beautiful women. 
Now, one thing I didn't know is that about 80% of the defectors from North Koreans are, are, are women, and a lot of them are older women as well. A lot of them had been trafficked in the past. I didn't realise that was actually a big part of how, how women escape from North Korea. They're trafficked out, uh, sex trafficking, uh, and end up uh, you know, defecting, somehow escaping. So a lot of these women that we met, there's about eight women that we met, were, were very uh, elderly ladies but had had a horrible past. So I don't need to paint the picture any worse than that. But uh, as we were standing there, Eric Foley, the leader of Voice of the Martyrs South Korea, he said, um, one of the sisters here that's helping read the Bible, they were doing a Bible study together, she has been uh, traumatized and been in a psychosis for the last five years because her daughter was eaten by her neighbors. Mm. And as he said that, I, I was just like, did, did I just hear that? But because of the starvation and the famine and the horrific conditions in North Korea, her neighbours kidnapped her daughter and ate her because they thought they were going to starve to death. So this woman, imagine the trauma. Like, you know, I've got three kids, mate. I just can't imagine that happening to one of your children. So this woman, this was part of her story. Eventually she defected. They gave her some drug that you can't even get in the West anymore. It's one of the strongest drugs you can get to deal with your psychosis. She spent five years uh, in, in the psychosis, eventually came to Christ. And then at the end of the night, Neil, it was one of the most beautiful things. I wasn't allowed to video them, but I've got the, the video in my head right now as I'm, as I'm speaking. Um, Eric Foley, who runs Voice of the Martyrs South Korea, his wife is a well-known Korean dancer. And they were doing those beautiful dance moves. And... This lady who, whose daughter had been eaten and had been in a psychosis, part of the therapy for her healing was learning how to dance for the Lord. Mm. And they danced to this beautiful Korean hymn to show us Westerners what God had been doing in their lives. And she had the most beautiful smile and the glory of God was shining on her face. And I thought, wow, this is the power of the gospel. A woman who has been in a living hell, like you cannot imagine how evil and wicked that regime is and, and what, her, what she went through. But here she was dancing before the Lord with the glory of God shining out of her face. She just finished a Bible study. And these Korean women, they go to places like Mongolia, China, Thailand, looking for North Korean defectors that they can witness to. And because of the Korean culture, when a, when a more mature Korean talks to a younger Korean, you have to listen to them because you, know, you respect your elders in that culture. So wherever they go, they share the gospel. And they, you know, in Luke 10, how it says, go and find the person of peace. That, that's how they evangelize. These North Korean women are amazing evangelists. When I get to heaven, I want to visit their mansions because they are the, the true heroes. They go to these nations and they uh, win North Korean defectors to the Lord all around Asia. And their mess has become their message. Their scars has become their stars. So for me, that was also a very moving moment to see these, uh, this underground university and the work Voice of the Martyrs does. Voice of the Martyrs also, in these uh, you know, places, they, they have these things called safe houses where they do cash drops and they have a safe house for the believers because if they don't protect them, they'll be uh, you know, uh, persecuted and tortured even more. I, I was so amazed at the work of this ministry 
And I just really want to honour all the crew from Voice of the Martyrs, uh, particularly in South Korea. What an amazing ministry, hey? Of course, in South Korea, where the conference was, there is a demilitarised zone in between the South and the North. And in North Korea, that's considered the worst place for persecution of Christian believers in the whole world. It is dreadful. They have concentration camps, don't they, Matt Prater, Mm. Uh, where there are Christian believers even being caught having a Bible Mm -hmm. or someone reveals uh, to the authorities that there's a Christian. You can be put into a concentration camp, you and your whole family. Mm, Absolutely. And uh, there was uh, one North Korean pastor I got to to meet. I wasn't allowed to interview him, but I heard him speak, and uh, he shared his story of uh, how he'd been burnt in a fire, and I, I shared a bit of it before the news. And the only thing I was allowed to do was take a photo of his hand and my hand. So I shook his hand and took a photo, and his hand is all you know scarred from being burnt in a fire, and there's my hand there. And I made a little uh, YouTube video with all the highlights from the trip and the interviews that I did, uh, which is on the, the New Hope uh, YouTube channel if people want to look it up. But the, the video ends with my hand and his hand, and it's forever ingrained in my memory now, uh, meeting that young man. And uh, the fact that he wants to go back to North Korea and preach the gospel. He's believing uh, for Kim Jong-un to be born again, to have a Damascus Road experience like Saul to Paul. You know, the Bible says to pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who, ble- uh, bless those who persecute you. You know, it's so important. that you know, And, you know, I used to think when you pray for persecuted believers, pray that they'll escape and that they'll survive. But they don't, they don't actually want us to pray for that. They want to pray that they can be strengthened where they remain and that they can bear fruit and that they can win souls. And I thought, wow, in the West, we can learn so much uh, from these persecuted believers. Uh, so that was one of the highlights for me. Um, the other cool thing, Neil, is that I collected 24 interviews well, I was over there. <laughs> now, of course, you know, we've been talking a lot about North Korea, and actually we could continue to talk about North Korea because the circumstance is so dire there. Mm. Uh, they really need our prayers mm-hmm. and our support. And as you say, Matt, it's not easy to be supportive, but you were with the people who were able to provide in a whole lot of different ways uh, some levels of support for them. Mm. But, of course, uh, if we talk about 360 million Christian believers around the world under severe persecution, uh, then that means there's an awful lot more countries as well. And you got to meet those ministers of the gospel serving the persecuted church from around about 15 nations that you personally had those connections to. Um, You recorded a whole bunch of interviews. Let's have a listen into uh, one of those, just a short excerpt from one of those interviews. Introduce this one for us, Matt. Yeah, so this is a brother who works for Voice of the Martyrs in Canada. His name's Riyadh, and uh, he wasn't allowed to be filmed or we had to change his name uh, because he was formerly a Muslim, came to Christ actually through listening to Christian radio. You know, we've got Visionathon coming up next week, Neil, and uh, we're switching on new stations in Sydney and Melbourne soon. You know, it's an exciting thing for us to uh, preach the gospel here on Vision Radio, but we're actually believing for souls to be saved uh, through Vision Radio. And this guy was in the middle of, uh, I, I, don't know what, I don't know if he says what country he's in. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're allowed to say what country he was in, but he was in a, a Muslim country. And he was scanning the radio, and he heard the gospel through Christian radio. Um, I'll tell a bit more of his story after this, but I'll have a listen to Riyadh. I have the opportunity to, to, to search 
about uh, many things compared to religion and uh, my focus I don't in that time uh, I focus really mainly in Christianity so uh, one day I found that uh, radio so I heard the radio it's really broadcast talk about Christianity so in the end of the program and the broadcast they mentioned the address so right away I wrote this address and uh, usually in that time we wrote letter one page maybe two page for me it's 96 pages because I have a lot of questions I ask him a lot of questions about here and there about Christianity so I'm thankful to them until today they reply to me and uh, and I'm, I'm really satisfied in that what they probably and uh, I ask him if they have possibility to to have a Bible study or academic study in theology or something. I said, yeah, yeah, we offer a uh, course uh, correspondence. So uh, I told him, please, can you send me all the material? So this uh, study, you suppose it's one year. I took it for three months. So at that time, I still Muslim. But uh, God changed me and uh, many things happened in my life. And uh, when I shared with my colleague at that time at the university, they told me, hey, Riyadh, your language, it's really special and it's really changed. And you mentioned many things about the Christianity and uh, from not the Quran, these verses that you mentioned. So I started also memorize verses. I'm still, I'm not Christian. So one day, to make short the story and... Uh, Man, I, I just pray and said, God, you are the perfect, you are the true, and uh, I search for you, but you're searching for me. And uh, many things happened in my life, and uh, I accepted you as savior between me and him in my room. And I start crying. Still until today, as for me, as I clean all the dirty, what happened in my life, and I'm born again. So... I thought this is what we're going to do between me and him. And right away, since I read the Bible, I memorize verses and uh, we talk about uh, baptism. So since I don't have anybody with me at that time, so I baptize myself by myself. (laughs) And nobody knows about that. said, God, I'm ready for you now. I'm ready for you. So please use me, disciple me. Hey, uh, we could get into a controversy here, Matt Prater. Can you baptise yourself? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think he had any other option where he was. But that is Riyadh, who works for Voice of the Martyrs uh, Canada. His name's been changed. He now goes into Muslim nations and supports Christians who are persecuted in Muslim nations. And you know how you record an interview and then after the interview you wish you recorded more? Yep. You wouldn't believe what he said to me. He said, I heard of one village, he actually went to this village, I think it was in Algeria, where nine, no, sorry, 87% of the village were, bo- were born again on one day. Wow. Because 87% of the village all had the same dream of Jesus in one night. And they all turned up at the church the next day and said, we had this dream where Jesus visited us, please tell us about it. And the pastor led 80% of one village to the Lord. I think it was a village of a few hundred people. Isn't that just amazing? And, and this is what Riyadh said in that interview. He said, I thought I was searching for God, but God was searching for me. And this is the thing. God is reaching people in Muslim nations, in communist nations. He's reaching people in the concentration camps. And people are being dramatically born again. 
and we need to tell these stories. You know, what struck me is that when he had heard the gospel on the radio, he said that he wrote a letter, not a short one, a 96-page letter to the radio station saying, I need to know all I can know about this. So if I was encouraging listeners today to write a letter to Vision, I would say address that to Matt Prater because (laughs) (laughs) a 96-page letter. And, you know, that guy, Riyadh, so he got saved uh, and ended up going to Bible college, went to France and became a pastor for several years in a very Muslim section of France. And in the end, he had death threats for him and his family and they had a fatwa put out on him to kill him, you know, and he ended up having to flee. And Voice of the Martyrs actually helped him flee France. And long story short, he now works for uh, Voice of the Martyrs Canada and he now goes into nations that, you know, you, you could rattle off all these Muslim nations that he goes to. They set up safe houses. They do cash drops. Uh, they send Bibles in. Uh, they do all these incredibly high-tech things to get the Word of God into people's uh, lives. One cool story that I heard, um, th- some villagers, what they do is they send a kid in on a skateboard with a backpack, and this kid flicks a switch, and everyone within a 5K radius get a notification on their phone saying, do you want free Wi-Fi? And everybody that has a smartphone, uh, if they w- want that, they click yes, and it says download this Bible. And so they download a Bible to their phone and an insp- explanation about how to come to Christ. And the kid stays there for about 20 minutes and then turns off the switch and then goes off to the next village so he never gets caught. <laughs> Isn't it incredible technology that they're using to get the Word of God into these places? And the creativity and the initiatives that Voice of the Martyrs use to be able to get the gospel to people whatever way possible, mm. they just do not hold back. Mm. I mean, I'm familiar, and I'll, you might get a, have an update here, but uh, at one stage there they were sending weather balloons across that demilitarized zone, mm-hmm. and uh, they would take packages of Bibles yeah. and uh, and and so that's the way they were getting the word of God into the hands of people and yeah. uh, putting lives at risk you might even say but yeah. the, the people desperate and hungry for having their own hidden copy of the scriptures but yeah. uh, and, and 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 I know they went through some ups and downs with that mm-hmm. whether that was the appropriate thing to do and whether authorities were going to be hard on them mm. but uh, you're pretty mm. confident they they're, they're continuing to do that yeah I've heard that they are continuing to do that and what they do is they put a certain amount of chemicals in the balloon uh, to determine how far it goes so that they can you know, try and map it to go to a certain place where they want to get the Bible to. So it's quite scientific. But, yeah, fascinating. They get the Word of God into places like North Korea. Um, so they, they highlighted, you know, that communism and Islam are, uh, are you know, two big philosophies uh, that really, you know, are opposed to Christianity and they persecute. You know, so they talked about all the, the communist nations and the, and the um, Muslim nations. And then the other one that I really wanted to share, I know our time's up soon, Uh, I got to interview a pastor from Ukraine. Now, this guy was absolutely amazing. Uh, He he shared that uh, he was pastoring a church of 500 in Ukraine. He had uh, a network of 36 churches. He was uh, under the covering of Gateway Church in Texas with Robert Morris, one of my favorite preachers. And he had uh, a business of water water purification and restaurants worth $5 million. So he was a very successful man. (laughs) And all of a sudden, Russia invades, and he loses everything. He gets locked up in prison, gets interrogated, and 
uh, eventually gets released after uh, a horrible time in prison and he has to take his wife and children and flee uh, to Poland, I think he ended up going to. So he then went to Poland and, you know, many people would think, oh, yeah, wouldn't you just move to America or Australia and just go and escape what's happening in Ukraine? But no, 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 he went back. And he now works with the persecuted church in Ukraine. He goes back and he goes to churches that are like 10 kilometers from where bombs are going off and they still sing, they still worship, they still pray and intercede for Ukraine uh, to, to be saved. They pray for Russia and for the Russians that are persecuting, persecuting them. I learned so much from this Ukraine, Ukrainian brother about how he was so strong in the Lord. And he said, you know what? Um, Vladimir Putin is not, is not my enemy. The Russians are not my enemy. You know, I don't have those enemies. The enemy is the devil. He is the one that we are going to take ground off the devil. And I thought, wow, <laughs> he, what a man of God that would go back into those war zones and s- strengthen those that are remaining there. And he's now, there's a whole bunch of underground churches that they're planning, basically. Amazing story. And at work in 68 countries around the world, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, just amazing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just with all of the tensions and the war that's going on in the Middle East between Israel and the terror organization Hamas, I, in the first week when that happened, I got a contact uh, to talk to someone. And it was a lady who did some work with Voice of the Martyrs. And some listeners will remember at the uh, at the time when Afghanistan and all of that uh, crazy stuff was happening with the uh, the Taliban uh, taking over Afghanistan, well, there were a lot of people, Christians, who were within Af- Afghanistan. And Voice of the Martyrs, I remember at the time, were running a special appeal to be able to help get Christians out of Afghanistan mm. because they were walking targets. The Taliban had all their details basically going to be knocking on their door and uh, mm. could have been lights out for a lot of individuals. So I spoke to this lady from her bomb shelter in Israel wow. and she had worked with Voice of the Martyrs, mm. uh, her own ministry, which I think was called Shy Fund. Uh, but she was, what a mm. woman of God, mm. uh, was leading an organization that helped 200 refugees out of Afghanistan. So Mm. wherever there's these sorts of conflicts, Voice of the Martyrs is in the midst of it all, aren't they? Yeah, this is is one of the the beautiful things about this mission is that because they're in so many nations of the world and they're so well connected, whenever something happens like what's happening in Israel right now, Ukraine right now, uh, there are other conflicts that are you know, stirring up around the world right now with all these protests happening. Who knows what's going to happen next? But you know what? Voice of the Martyrs will be there strengthening uh, the underground church, strengthening the believers, you know. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of talk about Iran right now and their influence on Hezbollah and, and, uh, you know, the terrorist organizations, Hamas, that we've been talking about, you know. Uh, But also in Iran, there is one of the largest revivals happening Mm -hmm. among um, the underground church in Iran. And it's an interesting that, the most evil things in the planet are happening at the same time as revival is happening in the underground church and mainly women leading the church in Iran. So we need to be praying more than ever. You know, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Um, every Sunday, uh, our church, New Hope, we pray for Israel. Uh, we pray for Ukraine. We pray for the nations around the world. We pray for all the Middle East. We've got to be praying more than ever. Now, Neil, I know our time's almost up, but I just want to rattle through a couple more things sure. here. Yep. So uh, if you're listening uh, and you're curious to know what other nations uh, that were covered at the conference, 
I just want to mention that there was uh, an amazing speaker from Mexico. This woman of God has planted over 500 churches in Mexico, even though she's been attacked by drug cartels and she's been in prison and beaten. This amazing Mexican woman, she was absolutely incredible. Uh, I interviewed a guy from Ethiopia talking about the gospel in Ethiopia. Uh, Dahir from Somalia was amazing when I interviewed him. Uh, I got to interview Peter Yashak, and we talked about him before, who was in jail for 445 days and was beaten up by ISIS in prison. Uh, Paul Robinson from the UK, uh, Vanessa Brobell from Canada, uh, Tim Dilmuth from Korea, who you had here on the radio yes, as well, yes. uh, Anita Hanna from Voice of the Martyrs Canada. I'll just tell you her story because this, this is a good testimony to wrap up on. Um, she was uh, born in Iraq and uh, raised a Muslim, uh, had all sorts of uh, problems happening, ended up in Jordan, you know, in the midst of war, had trauma from being raised in, in the middle of a war. You know, you can imagine all the trauma going on in the Middle East right now. So she had this horrible, horrible trauma. And the only way to numb the pain from that trauma was drugs. So she ended up being a drug addict. She became a witch. She ended up uh, being involved in all sorts of satanic, evil things. And then four years ago, a friend of hers invited her to this church in Canada called... Um, Catch the Fire, which is a, quite a well-known church. And she walks into this church expecting stained glass windows, but there's modern music. <laughs> there's a preacher who's talking and, you know, uh, sharing a cool sermon. Um, she felt the presence of God uh, in that um, church and got delivered of her addictions, delivered of her demons, completely set free, and worked for that church for two years, had an amazing testimony, and then heard about persecuted believers. And she thought, this is what I'm called to do. And four years ago, she was a witch on drugs. Now, she and I got together and I did an interview in South Korea and she was my favorite interview. Wow. All the other guys were amazing, but she was my favorite interview. You know why? Because she had that new Christian zeal. And she said, I'm willing to go to any country Voice of the Martyrs send me to, to stand with our persecuted beloveds, uh, believers. I'm willing to go. And this young woman had got, and you know what? Uh, it's interesting because most of the people at the conference were elderly people that had been around, for, more mature people uh, that had been around forever. But she was in her uh, late 20s, and she was so on fire for God to go and share the gospel in these persecuted nations. And I thought, you know, I want to wrap up with that story today because you might be listening today, you might be thinking, what can I do? How can I support persecuted believers? Pray for them every day. Um, donate to Voice of the Martyrs, Open Doors, Barnabas Fund, all those great ministries. If you can volunteer and serve, contact them because they need people uh, in all the nations of the world who will go and serve the persecuted church. Um, it's all through the scriptures. You read about how believers were persecuted, but they stood firm. And, you know, persecution is coming to Australia. We'll see more and more persecution. I have no doubt about it. Probably not as bad as what we see over there, but we'll have it. And we've got to stand firm with our persecuted brothers and stand firm in our faith wherever we go. Well, let me give the website for Voice of the Martyrs here in Australia. And, uh, you know, as we talk about 68 nations around the world, of course, there are going to be centres of Voice of the Martyrs in different nations around the world. But here in Australia, Voice of the Martyrs website is VOM dot com dot au voice of the martyrs v o m dot com dot au and you know what 
it, whatever you do when you go on there, uh, however you connect, I mean, maybe you can subscribe or you can become a prayer partner. Maybe you can, you know, make a donation because in some sense that'll keep you in connection with Voice of the Martyrs. But vom.com.au. Matt Prater, wonderful getting your insights. And, uh, you know, when you have this sort of experience, something happens on the inside and you're always going to be able to reflect on these things that are happening that are so dreadful around the world. Uh, in the next breath, you'll be able to reflect on what God is doing uh, in these nations. And he's using people, people like you and I, and ordinary people who say, well, you know, what am I doing just going through the motions here? Mm. When you hear those stories that you're telling today of people who are so motivated to be servants in the kingdom of God, taking mm. the gospel, making disciples. Those things are inspiring. It's vom.com.au. Matt Prater, and uh, to connect with Matt too, you can connect with Matt here at Vision. Also his church, newhopebrisbane.com. And uh, listen out for History Makers on the Vision website. You can get a hold of Matt's books in the Vision store. And uh, what were you going to say, Matt? I was just going to mention, too, if you do go to the New Hope website, newhopebrisbane.com or historymakersradio.com, if you click on the YouTube link, that'll take you through to where all these interviews interviews have been uploaded. Most of them are videos. Some of them was, was audio only. Uh, but you can see it at the New Hope Brisbane YouTube channel. And uh, we are going to feature some of them on 2020 soon. Uh, so uh, I'm editing those up, and, and we'll feature them on 2020. And they'll all be on History Makers at some stage over the next couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, really excited to get the, to be a voice for our persecuted brothers and sisters. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.